when I talk about the full customer lifecycle, that includes deal acceleration. We need to inspire that loyalty. We need to inspire that adoption and usage of whatever product they may have just purchased. So that cycle feeds into each other and benefits that next cycle of pipeline creation and opportunities. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Corinne Kasman. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Helena Zhang on strategic overlays and the future of ABM. Helena is a seasoned enterprise marketer and is currently the head of global account-based marketing at Atlassian. She has over a decade of experience in ABM, demand generation, event marketing roles, And prior to Atlassian, Helena led demand gen and campaign teams at Zora, Optimizely, and Cisco Meraki, but began her career in a semiconductor space at Texas Instruments in Dallas. Outside of her work, Helena enjoys hiking and running around Marin County and chasing after her two-year-old daughter. Helena, we're very excited to talk to you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Corinne. It is so great to be here and really appreciate that y'all thought of me and invited me to the podcast. Of course. We love working with you. You always have so much insight to share every time we talk to you. So we thought our listeners would obviously love to hear it too. So we have a number of really great just questions and want to get your thoughts on a number of topics. So the first one we thought of is we'd really like to understand you have a really strong background in B2B marketing, especially when it comes to scaling demand gen programs globally, developing your teams, aligning marketing efforts with the growth and revenue. Could you give our listeners any insight into your professional journey and how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. As you mentioned, Corinne, in the intro, uh, which is a great intro, by the way. So thank you for that. I started my career in the semiconductor space and really out of college went into a rotation program. So I was doing some media relations. I was doing traditional marketing campaigns type of work, as well as events marketing. After my time at TI, I moved over to San Francisco to join Cisco Meraki and originally was one of three demand gen managers on that team. However, there was a need for the APAC business as that was growing significantly for someone to lean in a bit more on both demand gen and partner marketing. So I raised my hand and I was like, put me in. I want more visibility. I would love a challenge and to work on a different market outside of North America. So that was a really pivotal point in my career to really go into a more global role and and definitely one of the highlights of my career. Since then, I've also been at Optimizely and Zora, all in the enterprise space. What's interesting is when I came over to Alassian, I actually joined an SMB demand generation team. And folks are always like, huh, why did you make that move? And for me, as I thought about my career trajectory over the next 5, 10, 15 years, I realized that SMB was a muscle that I hadn't really stretched. I did not have significant experience in it. And I figured I should go somewhere where I can learn and be around the best of the best. And that is why I took on an SMB role initially at Alassian about three years and and three months ago or so. And then last summer in the June timeframe, my leader here at Alassian approached me and asked if I wanted to go back to the enterprise side of the house to lead our global ABM team. So that is the, the role that I'm in now. We started as a small team of four initially. 
we kind of borrowed from across the organization, if you will, to form the initial team. There was initially an EDR. There was someone who was a program manager. There was someone who was owning contact acquisition. And that, that was the, the team. And so since then, we've been in this amazing period of growth, both growing the team and in terms of humans and resources, spanning across all of our regions, but also really building that first layer of foundations on the ABM team here at Atlassian. So it's been an exciting journey thus far over the last year plus, but we're really looking forward to what's ahead. And I'm sure we'll get into that in just a couple of minutes too. Oh yeah, absolutely. We definitely want to hear what's ahead and what you're thinking. And thank you for giving us some really great detail of how you landed in this great spot. Can you also explain the role and purpose of overlay functions in your team, what you think they're significant in, and how they complement your ABM strategy? Yes, absolutely. Before I jump into what overlay functions we have here on the Atlassian ABM team, I think it'd be helpful for listeners to actually understand how the ABM team here is structured. Overlay functions is kind of a broad term, and it can mean very different things for different people. So here on the Alassian ABM team, we have strategists, campaign managers, a copywriter, and then finally our overlay functions. The strategists are really more of our senior marketers here on the team. They are the face to sales. They own that pipeline number. They are really thinking about what is sales doing? How do we effectively create campaigns or moments as a part of our campaigns? that directly align with sales efforts and how they are trying to go in and tackle an an account. Our campaign managers are really more focused on channel level execution. They are getting our ads launched. They are creating one-to-one landing pages. They are working with PMMs on the copy, verifying messaging, things of that nature. And then finally owning channel level metrics as well. We've got our copywriter really taking the artifacts that PMMs are creating, artifacts that demand gen is already using and personalizing that for ABM. And then finally, the overlay functions. We have two overlay functions here on the ABM team. One is global top of funnel, and the other is CXO or executive journey. We define CXO as really that VP plus title within these large, large enterprises. And both of these functions are actually owned by strategists or campaign managers on the team today. So it is a small portion of these folks' roles, but there's a lot more opportunity to grow these functions, deepen the work that we are doing. And that's really part of the evolution as we get to 2024 that we are starting to put into place. The challenge that we've really seen though with these overlay functions is We are not giving ourselves enough of that time and bandwidth to dive super deeply into global top of funnel or CXO. And there have been, you know, discussions internally about, you know, if demand gen is doing top of funnel, why does ABM also need to do top of funnel? But we've looked at some of the data. I actually asked one of our advertising partners and our paid partners to pull some data for me to look at the overlap between ABM reach versus CLM reach, as well as engagement that we're actually seeing from our accounts and contacts. 
And the overall reach only has a 15% overlap. So that means 85% of our ABM audience and who we're targeting is actually not being reached by, by our demand gen teams today. So huge opportunity for us to do more top of funnel, super targeted at the accounts, at the contacts that we really care about on the ABM side and make sure that those lists align with the sales team. On the other hand, for CXOs, we at Alassian are in a lucky position where we have, you know, a PMM who's actually dedicated to the CXO or executive journey from a content and messaging positioning perspective. We also have a customer engagement team that's responsible for executive briefings, uh, customer advisory boards, really targeted at senior decision makers within all of our enterprise accounts. And there's really a, a big need to have someone in the driver's seat to connect the dots between top of funnel acquisition efforts to nurture the content journey, event experiences, all the way down to at our, our big user conference every single year, Team 2024, which is happening in April. How do we create something that feels curated and bespoke for this executive audience? But again, Going back to the challenge, we don't have enough time right now to dig so deeply into these journeys and connect all of the different people in the organization um, to build something that feels really cohesive, especially from a customer's point of view. So it sounds like you have a pretty well-oiled machine, despite there definitely seems like there's some room for improvement based on resources. Do you think that you'll have a big shift in 2024? Do you envision an evolution that will happen from all these learnings from this year? Yes, absolutely. There are a few shifts that we're making or actively thinking about at the moment. And I'll break it down into a couple of categories. One is around the accounts that we focus on. So that'll be category number, number one that I'll spend a couple minutes on. We as an ABM team here, do not cover all of Alassian's enterprise accounts today. We cover a portion of our largest enterprise accounts. But the challenge that we currently see on that side is we also have not had enough time to really go deep into one-to-one -one ABM. We have gotten one to few down like a well-oiled machine, like you were saying a couple minutes ago, Corinne, and, and that's a lot of what we've partnered with your team on and, and have proven success in. But when we started taking on our highest tier of enterprise accounts about a quarter ago, we still haven't figured out how do we create the space to go really deep into one-to-one? One one. How do we think about the full life cycle of these accounts, knowing that there are so many subsidiaries, so many different buying teams that we have the opportunity to tap into? And, and this is just a constant cycle that we'll be in for many years to come. So we are evolutionizing the team to create more focus on those that very top tier of enterprise accounts. We are shifting people's roles and responsibilities to give them the space to do that. And really, when I talk about 2024, I really anchor a lot of the evolution and the changes that we're making on growth and depth for every single team member, making sure that everyone is going to elevate their own visibility. Everyone is going to work with even more C 
senior sales leaders here at Atlassian, but also be able to drive more depth into their niche accounts that we are now having them focus on. So that's one category of, of evolution and change. The second is with overlay accounts. So I won't drill too, too deeply into that, but very similarly, we are going to have someone focus 100% of their effort on CXO, executive journeys, and global top of funnel. There's just so much more work that we could be doing there, especially around analytics, tying all the go-to-market teams together, looking at conversion rates, and also feeding this data to our strategists and campaign managers so that they can think about, okay, who's engaged at the top of the funnel? What accounts are they from? What is the next step in this marketing journey that we want to place forth in front of them? And then finally, the last area of evolution that myself and my team leads are thinking a lot about right now in partnership with data science and analytics is how we measure and how we talk about the impact of ABM. To give it a bit more context and color there, we as an enterprise team here at Atlassian, both from a demand gen and ABM perspective, our primary OKR is marketing influence pipeline, uh, followed by opportunities. And then, of course, we look at MQLs as, as well. However, when we go to sales and we talk about marketing influence pipeline and there's, you know, something in the dashboard that says for this opportunity, marketing influence, 85% of the pipeline, the immediate question that comes up, many of you are probably thinking of it already as you're listening to this is, does this mean marketing is trying to take credit for 85% of, of, of this deal? And the answer is always, no, that is not what we're saying. This is how we define marketing influence pipeline. But really what that's led us to thinking is we have really got to start to shift that narrative around ABM to focus a lot more deeply on the milestones that we are delivering as a part of a campaign. For every single big milestone we've got, whether it's, all right, there's a big contact acquisition push at the top of the funnel. Exactly what accounts are we going after? How many contacts have we driven from these accounts? Followed by, you know, all the way down to events or roundtable experiences. Out of those that we are targeting to invite, how many of them actually attended? Have we followed up with any of them? What is the pipeline impact from there? So every single one of these milestones has pipeline impact However, we really need to start talking about it almost one click down so that folks actually understand the activity that's behind it rather than just saying, hey, marketing has influenced this in, in pipeline, which is often a, a conversation that ends up being very gray for, for folks involved. So those are the three key pillars and how we are thinking about evolution in 2024, but really excited to make sure that we are aligning more to campaign milestones, sharing this out to go to market, and, and notably to sales, who, who this all really matters for specifically. Yeah, I mean, obviously, being at Demandbase for over five years, we're very passionate about sales and marketing alignment. And hearing the evolution you're going with sales of not who takes credit, but just getting more aligned of like, we're one team. How yeah. are we going to move this account and people that actually work that account to the same goal that we're working towards? Exactly. 
Exactly. And the final piece to this is when when you talk about goal, Corinne, I think it's important to remember that at the end of the day, the goal doesn't just end at pipeline, it ends at bookings, right? And getting that signature on on the line from, from the customer. And so as, as a part of this, and when I talk about the full customer lifecycle, that includes deal acceleration. After deal acceleration, we need to inspire that loyalty. We need to inspire that adoption and usage of whatever product they may have just purchased. And then we can use that as that internal use case to tap into that next team at some of these largest enterprise accounts. So that cycle feeds into each other and benefits, you know, that next cycle of, of pipeline creation and, and opportunities. Completely agree with you. I mean, as you know, because we've worked together for quite some time, like our mm-hmm. goal is not only to get that dotted line, but make sure you're seeing value, make sure that you're using the products, make sure that we are working with you on your goals. And that is also how we want our marketing teams to work together. So completely aligned with you there. When you think about one-to-one and you think about one-to-few, I think you've touched on a little bit. How do you differentiate and, and really go to market and have these campaigns with those different strategies? Yeah, that is a great question. I'll start with one-to-few. There are two lens in how we think about one to few here at Elastian. We have our really well-oiled machines on the demand gen side of the house led by incredible leaders there. And on the demand gen side, we've got a few different markets here at Elastian that, that they roll into. Under each of these markets, there are a variety of different products that sit under that larger market. Each of these markets also then have a theme that they are really aligned to for really our our, our fiscal year. And within that, you know, different campaigns, different omni-channel campaigns that are running. So one lens of the ABM one to few programs that we're running is really tied to those themes. How do we truly extend demand gen's efforts into these high priority accounts on the sales side? How do we take everything that they're doing, add another level of personalization, customization to really reach and hopefully capture those accounts? One example I'll I'll share to make this, you know, just come to life a little bit is with cloud data residency. So for many of us who work in B2B, B2B tech, specifically software, you know, we're probably talking about the cloud and a billion different, you know, compliance related features. And that's always very top of mind for us. But they also vary very differently in different regions. The rollout, the timing is often quite different, right? And so when we were thinking about cloud and data residency here at Alassian, we had just rolled out data residency in some of our our APAC regions. And DemandGen wasn't going to do, you know, a big omni-channel splash around just data residency for Singapore, as an example, or maybe it's Canada. But that was really an opportunity for us to come in because we do have priority accounts in those regions with huge revenue potential to say, okay, this is really important for these folks. This is currently a blocker for them. So let's take 
the general data residency artifacts that DemandGen and PMMs have both created or leveraged and, and, and create something unique and bespoke for these regions specifically. So that then turned into um, blogs and content that we had our copywriter work on. We had ads running. There was even event down the line, ghostwritten posts for different salespeople. And it ended up being very powerful in driving engagement for those specific regions. So that's one lens on it, right? Is extending demand gen's efforts. We really, you know, align with our Alassian value of play as a team. And at the end of the day, we are one single team. The second alignment is really to sales. We know for sure that there are campaigns that we might need to run that do not necessarily match what demand gen is running. And then that helps drive conversations around suppressions. Is there duplication of different marketing messages going into these accounts? Do we need to really think about that thoughtfully? And, and how this comes to life, I've got an example top of mind, is that in some of our specific regions that we support on the ABM team, we know that these enterprise customers need to use a competitive product in a coexist manner. It is just the nature of the beast. Our customers have told us this, and this is really how sales thinks about going into these accounts. On the demand gen side, they're running a competitive takeout campaign, but we've got to do something a little bit different because for this classification and this cohort of customers, we know it's coexist and not competitive takeout. We will not necessarily see success there unless we do coexist. So that that's when, you know, things are... But fundamentally, they could have similar messages at the core of Alassian's values, how our feature set might be stronger than a competitor's. But when it comes to the marketing that our customers are engaging in, we need to make sure that those messages are actually a little bit differentiated between what we're doing and demand gen. What I found so interesting in all of that is the coexist versus competitive and how thoughtful you are on that approach, because I do think we all know that there are times that a customer is just going to have a technology that they love and it is a competitor of yours. But that does not mean they cannot also have Atlassian. So how do you approach it in a way that doesn't have negative feelings for the customer that happens to love the other technology, but shows the value? So I don't know if I've actually ever heard any of my customers talk about coexist in such a thoughtful way, because usually it's very much like a competitive takedown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or solution based. That is very, very interesting. I think the listeners will probably get some uh, value out of that because I think that's a bit different take on the competitive takedown. And and Corinne, to your point, you know, and I haven't touched on one to one yet, but I I think this this seg- segues nicely into one to one ABM. The the fact of the matter is the size and scale of these accounts that we are working on as an ABM team. They are truly global. There are so many subsidiaries within some of these accounts. Often I have to Google, is this company a part of this company? It is incredibly complex. And so we have to have that level of thoughtfulness applied, knowing that there might be some subsidiaries or teams that we could do competitive takeout. But there are definitely other situations where we have to do coexist. And I think this is where one-to-one then comes in. Our one-to-one efforts have 
also gone through an evolution over the last year. We previously applied it to that second largest tier of customers in which we have hundreds and hundreds of, but now we are only applying and prioritizing one-to-one efforts for that top, top tier of enterprise customers. I, I can't share how many, but it is very limited. And with, with these customers, the level of thought, the research, the planning that has to go in is where we're kind of scratching the surface on. We are taking whatever tools we've got today, you know, pulling it together with our, our EAs or as many of you listening, you know, your, your AEs and your SDRs or EDRs as they're known here at Alassia. We're pulling together like that research today. But when we try to think about that comprehensive journey and how many different other go-to-market teams we've got to pull in, advisory services, you know, CSM, um, our partners often who need to come into the picture, customer engagement, that's where I think the rubber meets the road a little bit. And, and we run into the, some of the hiccups of, do we have enough time to do this? Do we have enough resources? If we do this, what does that mean for our one-to-few campaigns? So there's always a, a trade-off, which is why we've come to that conclusion and really that light bulb moment, if you will, of we need to stop putting our team members, you know, into this, this position of constantly having to manage these trade-offs, but give them the space to really dive deeply and be even more thoughtful at the one-to-one level. Yes, I think that is one thing I've always learned working with your team is how thoughtful you are. And it sounds like you're thinking even how can you give the team just more flexibility, more resources and make the right decisions. And we all know that sales, when you work with them, they all think their customers are the number one (laughs) that you should be focusing on. So that's like a whole other layer. One, you know, this next topic is actually, I think, you know, that I love is how do you use events to really help sales get closer to their customers, to their prospects. You know, I love inviting you guys to events. We always have a really nice time. And really what I like about it, especially in this this post-COVID world, is really becoming humans again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone's done a good job over the last two years of just getting back together, doing fun things, not even talking work at those events most of the time, but just really coming together and being humans and enjoying each other's time and getting to know each other better. So how do you feel like events fit into your ABM strategy and how you want to include them in the integrated partnerships? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love talking about events too, because it is such a, you know, big heartbeat of the ABM machine, if you will. And that human element is just, it's, it's not replaceable with, with anything else. And events has been, you know, interesting here at Alassian. And we are super fortunate to have a field marketing team along with, you know, the more corporate events team here as well. And we partner more so with the field marketing team on smaller bespoke events. So I, I will answer this question by kind of breaking it down and talking about some of the pros and cons. I think that that would perhaps be a nice structure. So we partner with our more so corporate events team on 
you know, the trade shows that we are participating in, whether it's, you know, Gartner Symposium, AWS reInvent that's happening in, in, in late November. And, and we're really thinking about, okay, which are of our accounts might be there? Do we want to send something to them beforehand, make sure that they know Atlassian's going to be there? These are the experts that will be on site. Let's try to set up some meetings. Maybe we've got our executive briefing team there at the trade show as well. How can we leverage that and, and get our, our accounts and key decision makers in front of some of those experts and leaders from Alassian? So that's, that's, you know, one, one type of event. We also have, of course, our own Alassian owned events team, which I previously mentioned, which is our annual user conference that's happening in Las Vegas in April. And, and we've got different roadshows across each of our markets as well, community led events. And ABM plays into each of those. Many times these events will have some sort of executive track that we will make sure that our ABM accounts are getting priority seats in. They are some of the first to be invited. We are sending, you know, a magic touch before they even attend the event. We're sending a magic touch along with their follow-up after the event and just trying to give them more of a curated bespoke experience and partnership with our sales team. On the field marketing side, we work really closely with them on these small bespoke events. You know, think roundtables, think maybe one-to-one Alassian days that we might be running as a part of a one-to-one omni-channel campaign. So there is very, very close synergy there. And, and finally, on the event side, the last kind of category of events, if you will, would be what's owned by our customer engagement team. And it's the, you know, more so the executive briefings. So the the pros is that there's already a great relationship with our events team. The con is that here at Atlassian, I, I don't know if folks listening know or not, but we actually don't have regional marketing here at Atlassian. So we don't have an EMEA marketing team, an APAC marketing team. And so ABM often, because we do have ABMers in region and, and with you know local language capabilities as well, ABM often becomes kind of the, the first line of fire for all marketing questions. And this includes a lot of the field marketing asks. And so oftentimes there are Given just the, the resources on our field marketing team, there are a lot of events that we as ABM have to run end to end by ourselves. The pro to all of that, of course, is that we already have relationships with these, these sellers. We already know what's going on within these accounts. We just have a lot of context about what's needed, what's the talk track, which PMMs should we be pulling in to help us create that deck or, or the narrative that we want to share. The con, of course, is that logistics and event operations is a heavy lift, and, and that does often fall on my team. And so I think for my team members, I am super proud that all of them have developed these event you know, marketing and event planning muscles in, in their time at, at Atlassian and have had the ability to really see like a full campaign and all of the, the channels and tactics through with their sellers. But I hope that one day I can also, you know, help to take some of the operational lift off of them so that they can really just think deeply about the experience, the content, the messaging, the follow-up, what's next for this account um, after the event.
So we have a lot of collaboration, not just with just events. <laughs> I think you just did a great job of explaining the heavy lift and all of the people that have to come in to make it a success. You also have campaigns running in a very thoughtful way with many people involved in that as well. So how do you really ensure effective collaboration when you're working with marketing, when working with the go-to-market functions? We know you want to drive executive engagement. And I do think it's a different uh, world when you start getting into the really large enterprise companies because you were already saying parent, children, companies. Like that's another, you know, just not sort of a challenge, right? To make sure that you have everyone understood and, and how you can help those individual companies. So are there any strategies that you have that would, or best practices that you would share with listeners around how to ensure just like really effective collaboration between all the different roles? Yeah, there are a couple things. More tactically, I will say, I'm lucky to work at Elasian, like a, a company that is centered around work management and bringing teams together through our, our tools. And with that, we have incredible tools like Confluence, where we document anything and everything, right? And I find that even in my time at Elasian, as we've grown bigger, there are so many different niche roles being formed across the go-to-market team, more folks that we have to work with on a daily basis. That documentation and setting playbacks and processes in place is absolutely critical. I just sent a Slack, you know, not too long before the recording of, of our podcast today to a few members of my team that, hey, we need to have this on a page. We need to document this kind of thing and these approval processes more meticulously as we move forward. And the fact of the matter is like, we're all human. There are going to be things that we forget unintentionally, or we might not remember that, yes, we talked about this. Yes, we both aligned on it. We approved this. But if we have it documented as a way just to keep us all accountable, I think that is critically important. So that's something that I think in my three plus years at Alassian, I have definitely stretched my muscles on and something I will take with me though for the rest of my career, wherever I, I go and make sure that we bring, you know, confluence in to, to, to document a lot of this. So, so, so I guess that's one. Secondly is, Across all the go-to-market teams that we work with, and as complexity just naturally arises as the organization gets bigger, let's also make sure that in initial conversations, as we start to work together, we're really aligning on the goals of that conversation. I often, often start meetings, especially with newer teams that we're working with to say, the goal that I'm trying to achieve out of the next 30 minutes is X, Y, and Z. And it really sets the stage nicely for, I think, capturing everyone's attention. Like, okay, let me stop reading the Slack. Let me make sure I'm listening to what the goals are. And then at the end of the meeting, being able to tie it back. Did we actually talk through X, Y, and Z? Was there anything not discussed? Do we need a follow-up? Can we talk about the last thing async? So tactically, I find that to be so easy, um, but so incredibly effective. And then finally, the, the last thing I will say, um, as, as we have to work with so many different teams, is start with one team, get it right, get that one thing right, then tie in the next, start figuring out how you not only work with sales, but now advisory services. How do you not only work with PMMs, but your customer research team, but get that first one right? Because as a leader I know always says, Success 
great success. And I would say keep it simple because simple is good, especially as you are getting started with new motions, new programs, or new relationships within your organization. Every time we talk, I'm always so impressed with how you think about not only the strategy, but I feel like what's threaded throughout everything we're talking about is you really care about the people you work with. It's always there whenever we talk. And I think it came through today as well. So what has helped you get to this place? Like, Do you have any good reads, books, blogs, newsletters, any websites that you read somewhat religiously to help you with this mindset? I feel like I do consume quite a bit of content. Surprisingly, I do not consume a lot of ABM-specific content. I probably should more should consume more, more of that. I will say that I do start every morning by reading the newsletters that come across my inbox. So Morning Brew, The Hustle, Robin Hood Snacks is just a couple examples for me because I love knowing overall what's happening across businesses of all kinds out there in the world, large or small, tech or otherwise. I think reading these newsletters as I get started in my day kind of grounds me in remembering that even though I might be marketing Alassian day-to-day, day in and day out, it's really important to keep a pulse on that overall buying behavior, market trends, because really the marketing that ABM here is putting out into the world is often going to senior level decision makers who actually are thinking a lot about these overall market trends that are happening out there in, in, in the industry. And so I think that's been really important for me just to stay grounded in, in remembering that. So I would say, you know, that's, that's always been a nice ritual for me over probably the last five plus years of starting my morning off um, that way. What I love every time we kind of like ask someone what they read. It's not always just the one topic that we're talking about, right? I think having that broader mindset and getting different insights from all different kind of themes is is super helpful. And it seems to be something that we hear pretty frequently. And our last question for you is that if someone would like to pick your brain some more and talk about this, how should people get in touch with you? Yeah, I would love if listeners got in touch. You know, I I joked with someone the other day, Corinne, um, that over the last year, I've been so kind of like, you know, I've got my head in the ground, just like building out this function, building out the team, hiring, that I haven't really like come out into the light to network and engage and share more about Alassian's ABM program, our pitfalls and our learnings. So I'm really, really excited to have a little bit of that space to do that now. And this podcast is, you know, certainly a great opportunity to do that. But if folks want to connect, I think the best way is on LinkedIn. Send me a message, send me a request to connect and and let's chat. I'm also starting to get plugged into a few more ABM communities as of late. And so I'm really excited just to continue the conversations offline about ABM and and the industry at large. Well, Helene, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. And we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much, Corinne. Thank you for having me. And um, it was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, 
please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Base TV. 